Hi, this is Eric Chase, afternoon host on Cumulus Media Toledo's Q105, and your host for another edition of 68 Words. This, by far, if I'm allowed to have a favorite episode, this is it. It's one of our longer episodes, as I couldn't get to know enough about Noah Henderson. A little boy for a long time didn't talk, but he was definitely listening. And Stella from the Ability Center became one of his best friends to make Noah feel just like everybody else. The regular stimuli that might be, you know, we might not pay any attention to is very stressing to him. For instance, we were at this farmer's market in the middle of the week during the day, no one there, and he was hungry, he needed something to eat. So we sat in this little tiny cafe, no one else there, and he was just having a moment. Make it stop, make it stop. We're like looking around, and the first thing we do, you know, you just go like this, and you're trying to figure out where's the noise coming from, and there was nothing. And finally, he was like, it was the ice machine across the room, slightly humming. People, places, and spaces doing disability differently share first-hand experience in our podcast. Inspired by the 68 words that sparked the disability rights movement, learn where it started and what's next. Hi, my name is Stuart James, and I'm the executive director here at the Ability Center, and welcome to 68 Words. Are you, uh, are you ready to begin? I am a nervous talker, so you um, might have to cut me off. <laughs> That's okay. The, the more that, and I'm, we're rolling right now, the more you talk, the better this podcast will be. Let's welcome oh, okay. Jennifer here to talk about Noah and his story, and then we'll get to Stella as well, correct? Yes, uh, Stella. But also links, links, which is a person that you'll talk about. First of all, thanks for taking some time to uh, share your story and Noah's story here on 68 Words. Thank you for having me. Of course. Uh, before we go any further, ha- Jennifer, have you ever been on a podcast before? No, I have not. You were telling me before we got going that Noah loves pod. He's uh, what, 12 years old? Uh, 11. 11 years old. Yep. Um, he loves podcasts. Loves podcasts. So what kind of credibility, what kind of uh, cool mom points do you get for being on a podcast? Oh, he was pretty excited this morning that I was going to be on here. He he was all excited and he doesn't understand why everybody doesn't love podcasts. He just finds them very informational. You can learn so many things through podcasts. You can, you can. Um, let's talk about, like, he likes informational things. He is uh, an 11-year-old with autism, correct? Correct. Tell me about what it's like uh, when Noah was a little baby and then a little boy and when the diagnosis came along and how you adjusted and how you live life with Noah. Oh, my. Well, that's, that's a journey. <laughs> That, that really is a journey. Good thing you like, you said you're a nervous talker. <laughs> I am a very nervous talker. Very nervous talker. Um, Noah was, you know, from day one, he, he just n- never was consolable, cried all the time, uh, never slept, and had major water sensory as a baby. Most babies love water. He would scream. And, you know, blood curdling screams, I'm pretty sure the neighbors were kind of like, what's going on over there, you know? And this continued all through the years. Um, we, I eventually found a, a, um, a swim instructor that specialized with children with special needs and autism, and that helped get him um, over some of that sensory. And um, as he got older, um, he was able to express that it was painful for him. So now we know, and you know, he's 11, so we're better. And but that was a journey. And you know, he, we didn't, you know, we couldn't run our vacuum cleaner the first two years he was born because that was a trigger for him. It, he was just very, um, a very intense 
baby mm-hmm. and toddler and then as we got as he got a little bit older i think i knew early on like it, you know something is bothering him and you know doctors tend to be like oh he's you know he's an infant he has colic or he has this and that and it just continued on and i just kept reaching out and reaching out and researching and researching and i think i pretty much you know spent my life trying to find um what was bothering him because i wanted him to feel better sure and um never slept i think you didn't for, or he no didn't. i think we neither one of us did it was probably the first six years was very difficult, very exhausting. Did you, uh, quick to go to roll backwards a little bit. You went to the swim instructor who worked with kids with autism yes. before you stumbled onto a diagnosis just because you thought she might be able to help, right? Um, we, uh, we were in the process. So Noah started with um, speech therapy services and occupational therapy services and it was really hard to get that diagnosis we were on a wait list with the hospital system for a very long time Um, the minimum wait was 18 months and um, you know Noah didn't really talk until he was four and you know his favorite word was car so everything was car so you know that that the keys were car the microphone was car everything was car and he would he had this obsession with everything round when he was younger so he had the all these cars in a pile and all the wheels were in another pile so we'd pull him off with his teeth and we'd have to watch him and and it's just and he always lined everything up and he always built these amazing roadways and structures out of markers and crayons and and so it's like I, everything kept pointing to autism, but I just couldn't get anybody to acknowledge it. And then we were on this long wait list. School started, and that's when everything really kind of took a turn because, you know, he couldn't handle being in a classroom with other children. Mm-hmm. The noises were too loud. The people were too much. And um, we had a great superintendent of the preschool that um, really just put her arms around us and acknowledged that there was something there that he needed help with. And we started the process. Initially, we were um, denied an IEP um, because he just didn't meet the criteria. And we kept searching and got into um, a uh, center down in Detroit to get him tested, Detroit Children's. And um, that really opened the doors because we got that diagnosis. Kind of like an aha moment. Yes, yes. You know, and a lot of people, it depends on who you are. You know, um, some people are very sad when they get that diagnosis. I cried because I was so thankful that somebody finally believed me. You know where the goalposts are. Yes, and I could get the help that he needed. Like, I could continue to get these resources. And... It just really was a moment for me and my husband. I can, what's his name? Jason. Okay. Don't want to leave him out. Yeah, yeah. Um, He's a big part of this. <laughs> I can uh, share a sympathy story as we're a bit different. When I was chasing what was wrong with me and why I had these, I call them thunks, 
like I always say the psychological calculus never added up my life is really good why do I feel down and blue for no reason so I went to a therapist and she said you know what you're describing is, is bipolar too she explained what that was and I basically got up and high-fived her and she's like that's not usually the response I right. get yeah but I knew who the villain was so yes. I could attack the problem so I can totally relate um, how you might have been looked at a little strangely when you were excited to get a diagnosis. Yes, yes. It, w- it was just, yeah, I felt like I had been heard and now we could continue this journey together to help him through life, help him be successful and get through, get him through all the hurdles he's, he's going to have. And, you know, it was, um, it was just very rewarding for us. And I just remember both of us walking out and just kind of taking a deep breath and going, yes, you know, because we had battled so long with people just saying, no, there's nothing wrong with him. And, and, you know, special, you know, we took him to one specialist and he said there was nothing wrong with him. And we're like, what? He keeps saying car repeatedly. (laughs) There's nothing wrong. Yeah. And and ultimately we found out, you know, children like Noah, who's highly intelligent. I can tell. Noah's very, very, very smart. Can I throw, I want to throw an ask out at you right now. Yeah. Can I hang out with him? Absolutely. Ask him if he wants to come visit my radio show and and the, I've never met this kid, but I really like him. He is, have you ever heard the word infovore? No. I'm an infovore. I'm the person that goes on Wikipedia and seven hours later. And I, too, like facts and learning things. And then my escape from that is all my nerdy superhero stuff. There's no in between. But please extend a podcast, another podcast, my my podcast, invite to him if he wants to be on it. He would absolutely love that. Noah would love that so much. And I think that you two would have um, a lot to talk about. I, uh, th- I, I, barely, I know of Noah for seven minutes, and I'm already excited to meet him. Um, when, when did he uh, turn into a little boy, and, and there was more than car, and started talking, and maybe played with other kids? You, you, well, <laughs> well with, with Noah, I would say four, age four, was the big moment where you know all of a sudden car wasn't the only word and then just one day this amazing little boy that we knew was in there was talking like he was this little professor and he had all these big words and all these big sentences and you know then we couldn't get him to be quiet we were just like oh my goodness you know you 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 want him to talk and then when they do they don't stop but he he never never stop he had a couple of years yeah. of sentences and things he wanted to say yeah. backed up and and i did all the services i did you know early on you know came to the house and they kept saying you know they're in there those words are in there he just his his mind goes so fast because he's got so much he's thinking about that yeah. he cannot get it out and i'm like no no he should be talking you know he should be talking by now but when he turned four it's like everything just kind of changed and um that was also when we found out like how well he could read like we never taught him to read he just did it we never taught him how to write his name we never taught him how to add to um write his abcs all it was all this this year this four year when he hit four that all these amazing things happened and what was so interesting about it was that he would be like, do you remember this time when I was this age? And it would have been like some sort of meltdown that had happened. And he would tell me why that happened. 
and we're in in you know we're just like that's why you were acting that way or that's why this happened um so four was a big year and um that was the year that he started preschool and we started to get services for him too you know did this sounds like the the archetype of what we have seen in movies and tv and entertainment of the 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 autistic kid that is a savant beyond his years Mm -hmm. and we know that there's a spectrum now and um have you ever had those IQ tested? I know that sounds like a crude question, but if I were to, there's the light, oh. there's the light, I'm gonna stand up. There we go. Had to do a dance for a minute. Can, can I, and I know we don't do things by <laughs> IQ anymore, but I'm just utterly fascinated yeah. by this little boy. Well, not little anymore. He's gotta have an IQ of like 212. And he's gonna get us well, to, he's gonna get us out of the solar system, right? Well, you know, space was his big thing for a, yeah. uh, many, 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 many years. Um, and he still goes back to space. Space is always there. Lean a little closer if you would. You know, get oh, closer sorry. to the mic. No, you're yeah. good, you're good. So, you know, with Noah, when he was officially diagnosed, the the doctor said, you know, he he is gifted, you know, and we, we can see these aspects. And, and they said that, but because there are other other things that hold him back, we may never know how intelligent he is. Um, and as proud as I am of him and how great it is that he helps me understand things sure. and explains things to me, it, it's never something that um, I've focused on as far as with you know other children or other parents. Um, Noah, Noah's pretty good at, at advocating for himself and letting people know when they're wrong, which sometimes can work in his favor, and this is like sometimes a, not. This is like so, a little. This is like a little me. This is literally like a like a little me. Yeah. He, um, and he gets mad if he if he is wrong, and he he's going to buck at you. He's he's going to try and figure out a way to make it right, even if it's a wrong answer. Is. And we're here to talk about Stella and how Stella has right. helped Noah and, and how uh, Jennifer and Jason found out about Stella. But I have so many questions about it. Maybe I should save this for our little visit. But I'll ask one more that, that is rattling around. Absolutely. Is he, his, yeah. is he his own best friend? Yes. He, he, he wants friends and um, he socially he tries. But um, it it's exasperating it it is i you know back to that four-year mark when he just was on the playground with the other children and you know i got the phone call that he wanted the other children to play titanic so he pushed him off the jungle gym and and to him that's how you played you know and as he gets older um he tries to hold back a little bit more but he is definitely his his own best friend besides miss stella it, it, yeah. I'm the same way. I have my when I was chasing the remedies for my my diagnosis. Uh, my dad had pointed out, mm-hmm. you know, you don't have dogs around. So like one of my dogs definitely saved my life. I know I have two. I will always yeah. have have dogs. They're part of what keeps me going well. In addition to my in addition to my medication and whatnot. I yeah. I, when I was younger, I'd go. I do something that most 20-somethings didn't do. I went to the movies by myself. And I would tell people that, and you would think I just pulled my pants down in front of them. I'm like, what's wrong with it? We just sit there in the dark, and you're not supposed to talk during a movie anyway. And then I did more and more things by myself. I'll never forget when I was in my late 20s, 
I was like, yeah, I sit at home and I drink a bunch of alcohol. And they're like, you drink alone? And that hurt, <laughs> that hurt me because I was like 27 and you, you, you. Right. And then the light went on mm-hmm. in my early 30s. I was like, that's not an issue. I do everything alone. Yeah. And that's okay. It is. So, you know, if that's where you're comfortable and that's where you're the happiest. And, you know, when you said the movies, that's what we do. I mean, we, we pick the, the least busiest time and what's going to be most comfortable for him. And it's it's usually, you know, a, a time of day in the middle of the day where he can just enjoy the movie. And, yep. and if, if someone's being loud, he's he's going to get really frustrated really quickly. And he's going to like whoever that knows, you know, whoever it is that's doing that. He's going to let them know really quickly that this is not the place for that. Why are you talking during a movie? You do not talk during a movie. You miss something. And he's going to be that rigid about it. Meet people. No filter. Hey, can you not rustle your M and M so loud, please? Thank you. Yes. Oh, uh, oh, yeah. Uh, heaven forbid. That's a whole another topic. We start talking about food. <laughs> l- let me give you another brief anecdote. So I go to uh, to Panera. I drink my coffee every morning. It very, I'm sure it's very routine oriented, right? Ve- oh yes. Like very structured. Almost down to the minute. On Wednesdays, mm-hmm. there is a group of twenty something guys. They come in, and it, it's like a small Bible group. And I don't say that to demean the content, but I know the content very well because they speak at their volumes. Oh. Unfortunately, it's it's not even loud. Yeah. Their voices just carry, and it mm-hmm. grates on me so much. I'm sure. Oh, you and Noah. You would, hear everything, right? And Noah, you know, just so you know, with Noah having, you know, he has the autism, but he has sensory processing disorder too. So. Um, Regular stimuli that might be, you know, we might not pay any attention to is very stressing to him. You know, he when he was younger, we, you know, for instance, we were at this farmer's market in the middle of the week during the day, no one there. And he was hungry, needed something to eat. So we sat in this little tiny cafe, no one else there. And he was just having a moment. Make it stop. Make it stop. We're like looking around. And the first thing we do, you know, you just go like this and you're trying to figure out where's the noise coming from. And there was nothing. And finally, he was like, it was the ice machine across the room slightly humming that yeah. we wouldn't even, but. Mm-mm. In, I try to be very careful with my words, and, and I'm very responsible and thankful for the platforms that I have. And I try not to um, make light of the situation of COVID, where we were, people were literally dying, people's lives were changing forever. They, they still are. Yeah. But one of the one of the positives, other than people paying attention to their mental health during it, was the world is made for extroverts, and I think briefly. People realize that there are other people um, that that are introverts and the world got quieter. Um, it was nice for me in a lot of ways. And I know it was really challenging for people, yeah. but I'm glad at least some of those people realize that there are others like them that don't have fun the same way. Did Was there any of that in Noah during the COVID times as literally the world got quieter? I, I think for, for Noah, the, you know, COVID was a huge stressor for a lot of people. And for him in the beginning, it was um, a very huge stressor because uh, Noah had knowledge of how 
viruses started and you know I he was upset yeah. he was a- angry at the people mm-hmm. he we, could have fixed it <laughs> we stopped watching the news when it first broke because I knew where it was going yeah and so then when it hit the schools and it shut down it was really it was it was devastating for him because it was the first year that he had a teacher that understood him so there was a part of him that really struggled um, because he felt like I finally like school and here we are and then when it hit, you know, he was content being home, but it, in his mind, it was a school year. These months he should be in school, so he couldn't break away from that. Right. You know, so it was like he was content building his Legos, doing his drawings, reading his books, but he knew on the school calendar that that's where he was supposed to be, or, you know, the yearly calendar from this month to this month, we should be in school. So he really, really struggled with that his, a lot. His rigidity He's that he had, very rigid, yeah. that was completely disrupted. I, I hope mm-hmm. some of these things I throw at you, uh, he can, when I share my mental health challenges, I am by no means a clinician. All I aim to do is to share things and yeah. my experiences because I can do so so freely that other people can apply to their lives so they can take the anguish that I went through and do it a little easier. Um, I know yes. my closest friends are the ones who don't push me. They know where the limit is. If Eric says he doesn't want to go, mm. keep pushing. You're not going to go. And they get my idiosyncrasies. And yes. I hope he has friends like that now. And when he gets older or when you are you and Jason are long gone, I hope he finds that a group like I did to just let him be him for him. And if he doesn't want to do something that everybody else is doing, they're not going to give him a hard time. They're just going to know that that's Noah. Yeah, and I, and I think that's important is is that, you know, we're, we're not all the same Mm-mm. and we don't all fit in the same box. And, um, you, know, you know, Noah, usually if Noah doesn't want to do something, there's a, there's a reason. And if you need him to explain it to you in a, a long, drawn-out story, he's, he's going to justify his actions and it you know i i'm confident he's going to find his people i i do i i think noah noah has goals what's he, what are his goals you know he well de- depends he he definitely knows he wants to be an engineer and the past two years it's really been focused on structural civil engineering um and you know he he loves architecture and space he used to want to go into space but then he decided that you know bad things could happen in space then he gets motion sick so he needs to be you know that's a back burner thing for now you know he's still going to do something um and he he wants to change something in the world and I, I feel he will. What that might be, I'm not sure. Maybe I, he'll build a famous building someday. He'll work at NASA. Yeah, at NASA. He might, you know, be doing that. You know, I really push the medical thing. I'm like, you could, you know, because he loves physics and okay. science, and and that's not happening. You know, you, you want to talk, you want to talk, you know, germs and cells and bacteria. You know, I got to do that. I have to go to school for that in order to be this. Mm-hmm. And he just has always loved to build. That's just been from minute one, I think. That he, can he, could build, he can build rockets for NASA. He could. Yeah, he, he very well could. Uh, 
we're here to talk uh, about Noah. Obviously, we got the yeah. backstory, but mm-hmm. also Stella. Uh, Stella, as I mentioned, <laughs> my, my dogs are an yes. integral part of my life, and mm-hmm. Stella is of his. How did you find out about um, the skilled companion dog that is Stella, which is different from a service dog? Yes, yes. Um, you, you know, um, kind of. You know, the the story on how I came about um, pursuing an assistance dog. You know, a skilled companion dog is. You know, we, we had a dog. We had a big old basset hound, and um, we'd had since Noah was little, and they were just buddies, did everything together, and um, he was never bothered by Noah when Noah was having his moments and he was having his upsets. And um, I think, you know, I had reached a point, for me, I, I'm that parent that, you know, how can I help him? So my brain never shuts off. You know, and I'm working on that. But, you know, how can I help him? What can I do to help him succeed and give him the tools he needs? Um, Not how can I fix him, but how? And I was just having a day, and I just felt like, you know, he was in OT services. He was in speech services, mental health, behavioral services. He was wearing compression vests that hold him tightly and give him big hugs all day to just try and release some of that stress and anxiety that he was feeling all the time. And I felt like I had exhausted all of my resources, and I was just really having a rough day, kind of beating myself up, like, there's got to be something out there. And he had a moment that day, and it was a rough. It was a rough one. And you know, our our dog just went over there, and he he you know he had a big old nose, and he'd nose him and and lick all his tears away, and just kind of like, hey, buddy, you need to you know calm down. And I just had this moment where I remembered where our daughter had had a um, she'd had a traumatic experience um, with some dental procedures when she was young. She's twenty two now, so she's quite a bit older, and. I remembered that I had seeked out a dentist and found a dentist with a therapy dog, this little Chinese crested hairless dog dressed in dresses. And and I remembered that that dog got her over that trauma and those anxieties that she was feeling. I mean, she would get sick to her stomach when she knew she had to go in for a cleaning. It was really rough. And I thought, an assistance dog? Why didn't I think of this before? So I started doing research for um, assistance dogs with children with uh, special needs and autism and, um, you know, the benefits and everything. And it, so it, it was an easy decision for us to apply for Stella. Um, but, you know, we had our Basset and they were two peas in a pod. So, uh, you know, I said, you know, when or if he, when he passes, then we'll pursue that. So, he had passed, and you know, we gave us ourselves a little bit of time. And Noah was really just struggling. He was so lost without him, and school was difficult, and just life for Noah was really difficult. And I said, you know, I'm not ready. You know, really missed our Bassett. I said, but he's ready. He he needs this. And we started the process, and um, a year later, we got Mistella. I remember the pain of my first dog dying um, more than other pain, probably because it was very pragmatic. My mom passed away of lung cancer, Mm -hmm. and I'm sure Noah is very pragmatic as well. Like with my mom, didn't work out, didn't take care of herself, smoked a lot, 
lung cancer was inevitable. So the, the math was that. But so yeah. I'll have to show you some pictures when we wrap up. Uh, what was the Bassett Helms name? Elliot. Elliot. I had tequila. Oh, tequila. <laughs> my, I was, I forget my age, but my dad raced home from work one day to take tequila to be put down because he didn't want me to see it. And I was, I was wrecked and I still feel that pain more than losing. And I haven't lost a lot of relatives or friends, thankfully, but I can feel the pain. I can remember the walk home from school and waiting for what my dad was going to tell me. Like it was, it was yesterday. So I, I get Elliot, but I'm glad the bad thing is dogs don't live a long time. The good thing is we can keep getting them and yes, we keep Elliot's memory alive. And there's a little bit of him and Stella was it love at first lick on the face for Noah and Stella? Oh my goodness! So um, the Noah does agility angels therapy mm-hmm. here at the Ability Center. Yeah. So um, you know he he he's been he'd been doing that for a while, and um, Stella's trainer um, Kim she she runs the program and she um, had a, a dog in mind, but she wanted Noah to meet the dog. She wanted to see how they how they connected. Mm-hmm. Um, so we didn't tell Noah. So she brought Stella to agility class and asked Noah if he would run her, um, that she was new to the program and wanted to know if he would run her for the day. And, of course, they just hit it off. And he and Stella um, really loves agility. Stella has a lot of energy. So she gets kind of crazy out there, and you have to redirect her a lot. And Noah just thought that was just so funny. And to hear him laugh, like he has this contagious laugh when you – hear him laugh and it was so nice to hear that and um you know we we don't always get that we didn't always get that until stella came and um so the process kind of started from there um they they called us um i'm not sure a couple weeks later i think it was and um told noah that he had a match and um jordan uh she um she's the coordinator and she was so excited to tell noah that it was stella the dog he met and it was just it was he was just so excited he he was so happy and when he got to see her for the first time and come in and do like the meet and greet Mm -hmm. that was you know technically the first time because they got to sit down and cuddle and you know she she is his perfect match yeah you know She's uh, a little stubborn. He's a little stubborn. She, um, you know, she can get a little sassy. He gets a little sassy back at her. So they kind of have this um, unspoken communication. And, you know, she's really taught him um, empathy. And, you you know, so he'll he'll think about her. You know, I'll be like, oh, you know, look at Stella, you know. And, And that's something that we didn't see before with Elliot, our other dog, and um, y- you know, I think Agility Angels did help with that too, because he works with the dogs and and it gives them responsibility. Mm-hmm. And and Stella is his, and and he took on that responsibility. And one great thing about Noah being so rigid and so structured is he follows the rules. He's a rule follower. So when we had our training and they said you have to exercise her every day, you have to do. Um, her, you know, keep up with her skills and work with her, and he follows those rules. He, two days a week, he gets Wednesdays and Fridays off. 
that they don't do their skills. And, um, you know, he really has taken this to heart. And we weren't sure with him being young how he would do with that. Every morning before school, he feeds her. That's his job. I, I Very few times have I had to feed her in the mornings. That's kind of like her, their thing. And every night he brushes her. I mean, it's it's so heartwarming to see him care about someone or something so much. Yeah. Because, you know, God love him. But, you know, I always say, you know, he's got Frank Sinatra syndrome because it's, syndrome because it's all about him most of the time. It's, you know, Noah, 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 even though he doesn't mean it to be. And he looks out for her. Yeah. He cares for her. I get it. I get it. Uh, I hope there is never a train bearing down on the family because <laughs> you and Jason are getting pushed in front of it if he's got to save Stella. <laughs> oh, oh, and he will, too. He yeah. will. Yeah. Like, I love yeah. my best friends, but if it's my dogs or you guys, oh, sorry. Yeah. No, we're, we're, we're backburners for yeah. sure. We're backburners. And, and, you know, it's so funny because, you know, Noah's a germaphobe. He's all about ugh, hands, and it I'm took us a while, you know, because you, you give her the treats, and labs like to drool, and, well, what dog doesn't when they're getting a treat? And... um when they did the training, one of the other uh, clients made him these little towels to hook on his treat bag to wipe his hands because it was so apparent that it drove him crazy. And now she slimes on his hand. He'll wipe it on his pants or go about his business. And, you know, he we always say he has a Stella blanket because, you know, labs shed. Mm-hmm. And he's always got dog hair on him. Yep. And, and, you know, we thought, oh, how's that going to go with Noah, you know? No, no, he just... Walks around, it doesn't bother him a bit. He'll be covered from dog hair from head to toe, and I'll be me like, too. "Let me let roll you. I'm fine." And so she's helped him kind of get past some of these things that prior to her were an issue. You know, it's kind of broke him out of that shell a little bit how to about, be flexible. How about a? Uh... Like, I'm fine with my dogs, and like I pick up poop all the time. Not with my <laughs> hand. I think actually yesterday I had to get a. Uh, a urine sample for one of my little dog and I think I may have drank out of that cup without washing it where I got his urine sample <laughs> and I'm like well alright um, has he ever been and I mean this seriously has he ever been stuck in a bathroom before because he didn't have sleeves and there was no paper towel to pull the handle to get out uh, well <laughs> uh, up in, up until you know recently we you know actually I think my husband still goes in the bath like public bathrooms with him but he usually won't use those because yeah. you know germs people and the toilet the sounds of the toilets flushing and the dryers you know he'll hold it all day long if he can unless we make him we're like no we've been gone all day you need to go and then it's usually an issue but if he's in a bathroom at home or whatever and i forgot to put the towel back up because i was changing towels he'll just he'll stand there in the bathroom screaming my name i'll be in the other side of the house and i'll be like what and he'd be like you didn't put a towel up and he's just dripping water everywhere like he will not wipe it on his clothes or his pants and dry his hands off that that's what towels are for Mm -hmm. you know he's yeah he's very he he likes it as it is and i hope he's he is writing you up for all these indiscretions oh oh yeah what else has stella taught him give me something else you mentioned oh my goodness anything you know stella has you know stella 
the best way, you know, whenever someone, you know, asks us, you know, how's it going with Stella when we first got her and stuff, you know, the one word that just kept coming out of our, our Jason and I's mouths was, it's just truly amazing, the transition that she has given Noah. You know, this is a, a, a you know, a young boy who his anxiety was so high, you know, he, um, his panic attacks were like you know crippling i mean just horrible for Mm -hmm. him and he his insomnia was was just at a point where we had put off medication as long as we could and you know we, we didn't want to do that at a young age unless we had to so he was struggling so badly and the panic attacks were were just increasing and you know he was starting middle school and he was afraid it was a new teacher new school new rules uh it was going to be his first time trying a general education classroom since he was in kindergarten lots of changes and she it, it's just i just you know i had to pause because when i reflect back it's hard for me not to well up with tears and get emotional because she's truly changed his life. Like, it is just amazing. He, um, his insomnia is, um, very few times do we struggle with his insomnia now. And usually if he's struggling, she lays over the top of him. So she lays across his body, crossways, and so it gives him just that little added pressure, and he can, he loves to rub her ears. Her ears are like velvet. Mm, he said, Mom, yeah. her ears are so, fa-. he's always making me feel her ears. Feel her ears. And and he'll go to sleep. Where does she sleep at? It, oh, she sleeps with him. H- how? She sleeps, though. So his bed is, you know, a long way, so she'll sleep. Um, she He puts her on the back side. Okay. Because he said if she's on the front side, she hogs all the bed. Okay. And um, so, you know, they go to bed every night. We don't we don't even really tuck him in anymore. I mean, this was like a routine we'd had all his whole life. You know, we went in there, we got him tucked in, and now he's just like, it's time for bed, Stella. Let's go. Good night. And off they go, and he gets her situated in the bed, and I just go in there and turn the light off and, and shut the door and say goodnight. And he sleeps. And, and when I say uh, crippling, like his panic attacks were debilitating, and the insomnia, he would just get so worked up with that. And then, you know, the panic attacks from the trauma he'd experienced in the past um, with um, some school system issues at prior schools and stuff. And it was really hard for him. And we don't even, I think he's, I think he's had three panic attacks, like full hardcore, like full-blown panic attacks in the nine months that we've had Stella. And she was able to ground him and, and get him down. And she just knows, you know, and, and she gets on his lap, and, and it doesn't matter where it is. I mm-hmm. mean, we've been in the computer room, and and getting him to the floor was the issue, like getting him out of that moment where he's he's not wanting to, you know, hurt himself or, you know, throw something and get him to the ground. And she just climbed right on him, and she's helped him with school, you know. It's, meltdowns were a daily and sometimes lasting from four to seven intermittently every day, every day until this year. How uh, how do you and Jason now that 
you've, the diagnosis is a bit behind you. Things yeah. are a bit better managed. How do you and Jason take care of each other when, when there's no Noah, no Stella, and you guys get to just kind of decompress? <laughs> That's exactly what we do. I mean, sometimes we just kind of sit there in quiet, and we'll just kind of sit together and be like, oh. You know, what are we going to do? What are we going to do today? What are we going to do today? And so, you know, we kind of, you know, a lot of times we'll go get breakfast or whatever if he has a day off and and, um, just kind of enjoy some time together. We like to go for walks. So if we get a chance, we will go out and, you know, go on a nature trail or something. And, you know, we really just spend time together because we actually lived um, in Michigan, in like Genesee County, Michigan, so a little further north. And Jason was working in Toledo. That's why you said so, down to Detroit, because you lived in the Flint area, yeah, right? Yeah, I lived in the Flint area. Yeah. So, you know, <clears throat> we didn't, you know, there for quite a few years, it was just me trucking along. And um, our, we let our daughter get through high school, and, and then we made the transition. We didn't want to pull the kids, the older kids out of school, and we made the transition down here. And what a difference it was having... Um, another person to help me full-time you know and give me the rest that I needed and I think that's really when my self-care journey was able to start you know because for you know I had respite care I could use it but I was afraid to use it sure what if this person wasn't experienced enough you know we've been told Noah's you know they broke the mold when they when they created Noah absolutely that's what they told us he was almost and I say this with deep reverence, mm-hmm. he was almost constructed in a lab. Yeah. And I'm actually kind of jealous. And if I yeah. if I had to make a $10,000 bet of someone changing the world for the better, mm-hmm. and whether it's like 10 years from now or 23 years from now, I'm going to read in Wikipedia, what's Noah's last name? Henderson. That yeah. Noah Henderson has built a rocket to get us out past the Kuiper belt that's the end of the solar system, and he's going to control it from NASA. I'd be like... I spoke to his mom and I had him on the radio show. I would, I, I would make that bet yep. right now. Yeah. Um, what's his favorite food? Um, I'd probably say pizza or pasta. What's his favorite topping on pizza? Pepperoni okay. and sausage. Pepperoni is definitely the number one go-to. Uh, what's her favorite food, people food, or is she just a trash compactor? Um, we actually um, do not give her people food. So she just has some special treats that she likes, and it just depends on the given day. Um, you know, Stella just loves food. So if, if you gave her people food, she's going to eat it all, and she's going to love it all. Stella gets very excited when she gets her treats for um, doing her exercises or commands or just a special treat because, you know, Noah's, you know, in the mood to give her a treat. She loves to sneak the ice cubes. So, you know, I'll sneak her ice cubes and Noah will say, like, she's not supposed to have ice cubes. That's not real food. Why are you giving her ice cubes? He's tonight? always watching you. He, he's worse than Santa Claus. He, and, you know, and <laughs> just so you know, he can multitask. So when you meet Noah, Noah might be sitting here doing something over here, talking yeah. to you, and you're thinking, that boy's not paying attention. And he will, he will repeat back verbatim what you said. It's... It's a, we got into the multitasking at work era in the 2000s or something. Every job posting said, you know, an ability to multitask. No one might know this, and he could correct me if he hears this, but it is humanly impossible to successfully multitask. You can, but you won't do it well. Um, 
I actually think I am most proficient and efficient when I am doing multiple things at one time, when I'm juggling lots of balls. It brings out like a positive mania in me, and I'm sure he's much the same way. Yeah. Do you you think it it kind of of helps you? It focuses. Yeah, focus, because I didn't understand that with him for a long time, you know, and and I, we've had moments where, you know, people don't think they're paying, he's paying attention to them or whatever. And, and I'm he like, is, you're oh. just not giving him enough to keep his mind yeah. active. He hears every word you're saying. And yeah. even, I, and, and I'll even do, I'll be like, you, are you listening to me? And he, and then he'll repeat back. I don't know why you didn't think I wasn't listening to you. Do you think I'm listening to you now? I just, you know, and then he'll just ramble off whatever it was that I just, I'm like, okay, why do I even ask? You know, I mean, he's just, he is so amazing, and I feel very blessed that, you know, he chose us to be in his life. And, you know, Stella completes him so wonderfully, and I think that she's allowed him to see a part of himself that he didn't know he had too mm-hmm. and he's very proud of himself for that and he'll all be like well aren't you proud of me i did this today yeah and i'm like well aren't you proud of yourself well that's not what i asked are you proud well absolutely i'm proud of you and then he'll you know we work through and i'll be like it's okay to be proud of yourself it's a it's a it's a humble you can either i can inverse these words it's a humble arrogance or an arrogant humility i totally get it i totally get it <laughs> Yes, and you know, and and some people kind of get taken back by by that because he he very is he's very black and white. Yeah, he doesn't have a filter, and some people can roll with it and just brush it off their shoulders and not take it personally. And other people are like, "That is so rude," and I'm like, "That's just Noah." Mm-hmm. He he doesn't you know he doesn't know what rude is but he'll be the first person to tell you you're being rude because you won't let him have that black crayon or something you know he will he will whatever he does hopefully he will be appreciated for his authenticity and Mm -hmm. candor and with that are going to come some biting remarks that maybe people need to hear but i hope he can reach a point where i have and i've surrounded people and i know that i upset people at times but they do appreciate the authenticity because Really, that's all we want from people. We want transparency mm-hmm. and authenticity, and you know he can lead the way with that. Yeah, I agree. Uh, that's it. We're done. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. This is Chief Armstrong of Toledo Fire and Rescue. 68 Words has been a production of the Ability Center, hosted by Cumulus Media's Eric Chase. Engineering provided by Will Mellon and executive produced by Mallory Crooks. If you, your group, organization, or business is interested in hosting a disability awareness experience or have other inquiries, please contact info at abilitycenter.org. Until next time, think differently. Think differently. Think differently.